It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's night. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from a county jail in the antebellum south here mm-hmm. in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And back with us again, Brian Cogman. So good to have you. Always. Hello, Brian. Hello gentlemen. I'm this glad is, that this is, this is huge. Our final 99. It's our final 99. Podcast. It is. It is. I'm, I'm, I'm I thrilled that we were able to find something for you to come back on the 99 for because you and I have been emailing back and forth about the stems and seeds that have existed at the bottom of this list uh and uh and then this one this movie popped up uh surprised this one uh wasn't wasn't uh well I'm not not surprised we were kind of saving it for someone and it kind of didn't work out I mean it's all I see I, I should. I should also say, yeah. I mean, we were trying to get Altman on, and we found out he. <laughs> we was, found out he we died. Strong smell, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> you tell him he's dead. Um, but uh, Liv, Liv Tyler wasn't available. But I'm often pinch hitting for Liv Tyler. I, I I don't. I you know I usually lie on this podcast and claim I know everything, but I have to be honest. <laughs> I don't know a lot about Altman. I mean, I know a lot about oh, Altman because I know a lot about film history sure but i am less of a movie watcher than a film historian which is to say I love a narrative as i love a narrative which is to yeah. say as i was looking and i did this like recently where i'm like god my altman knowledge is my altman watching history is spotty 
Mm. Okay, um, so you well, haven't seen a you haven't seen a lot of them necessarily. Is what you mean? I you haven't probably seen a third of his films. Probably. Right? I mean, I I've seen enough to do a top five that I'm not embarrassed right. by. Right. But right. I've I I have not seen the. I, I as I said, I I have not seen. If there are like eight 70s movies that are like, you know, held as classics, I think I've seen two. I have oh, some so, I have some okay. holes in my in my yeah, early. So I'm not moment. thrilled about that. Well, because I think I mean I can only obviously speak for myself, but I I Altman came to my awareness with the player. Mm-hmm. Um that was, you know, I was 12, it was 92. And I remember um really loving that movie feeling like I quote unquote understood Hollywood. Cause I saw the player, right? Like it sure. was probably my first like inside baseball movie. And oh, then me, mine too. Me too. And then I kind of <clears throat> watched all his stuff really from that point on, but I have not gone back as much as I should. So like mm-hmm. I have some big, big holes, you know, uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller's a big hole. I have the criterion oh. on my on my coffee table. I have yet to watch it. Um, mm. That's a big gap for me. Uh, Nashville is a big gap. For oh, you never right? seen like, Nashville? Oh, I, ha- I know. I have, right. I, that, I, 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 that's what I've fully... got. Right? Okay. Oh my that, goodness, Nashville! Like, I got seen the long goodbye. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, I haven't I've seen s- that. That that one I don't go. Oh. Yeah. So like, there's some that gaps, one, and then I felt like gaps. that's a that's a Cogman classic right there. The long goodbye. Great sure. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, my, my, my big blind spots, and I said this to you, yeah, Phil. It's wait, um, Brewster McCloud. Yes, which I've never uh, seen. McCain. I've never seen. I've never seen Brewster McCloud. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mash. Wow. Uh, okay. Long, long, long goodbye. Yeah. Um, there might be another one or two. Uh, but I've seen. And there are other ones that that. I haven't seen that. I don't Preda know. Forte is probably a gap for most people. I've seen Predator. Uh, Forte. Oh, you have, okay. but it's not going to make my list. But um, that's a terrible it, movie. A bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's interesting in that he makes bad movies. Uh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean he's one of those. He's one of those geniuses that that um, when when they fail, they fail. He, big. he misses, right? But it's a big so, swing. All right. So in here, yeah. all right. So just real fast, I'm going to run yeah. down his seventies because okay. it seems like okay. his. Feature career really started with MASH in 1970. So it's MASH, Brewster McCloud, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Images, which I don't know anything about, yep. The Long Goodbye, Thieves Like Us, which I haven't seen, California Split, and Nashville, which I have seen, mm-hmm. both of those, Buffalo Bill, uh, Three mm-hmm. Women, which I think people like, but I haven't seen, yep. A Wedding, mm-hmm. which I think people like, which I haven't seen, mm-hmm. Quintet, which I think people like. People like Quintet, seen. yeah. And That's then, polarizing, uh, but yeah, but those who like it love it. It's a weird movie. Yeah, and then a perfect. That's couple. his sci-fi movie, right? Quintet. Yeah, it's like an apocalyptic sort of. Paul Newman's in it. It's very strange. And then it seems like uh, he does Popeye, and then uh, well, then he goes through a period. So he went through a period after the big bomb of there was a sort of twin bombs of health and Popeye. Yep. That where he where he kind of left the A game and just said, "I'm going to I'm going to make movies out of uh, great plays." So for like okay. for right, most right, right. of the '80s. He made movies out of plays, some of which were very sort of stage bound of simple movies. Um, Secret Honor is kind of a some famous than other. one. Yeah, yeah. Secret, Secret Honor. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the one that he went and shot like at the University of Michigan with their student crew. You know, yeah. like he, it was sort of an interesting. It's considered, I guess, the wilderness years for him, although there's some interesting movies in there. Um, you know, and then, is, yeah, I think per your point, 
Phil, yeah. uh, Phil player kind of put him back on the A list. I mean, and, and, well, and yeah. Tan, Tanner eighty eight, yeah. you know, was a mini series oh, that. Yeah, so Tanner eighty eight. I mean, you know, look, it's it's there are these direct directors who do take these little sojourns into into TV before it was hip. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, famously Lynch yep. um, did it. And, uh, you know, I think Altman does it with Tanner 88, which, you know, is a very Altman yeah, type uh, Is that HBO? Idea. I think was it like was. Early, early HBO? I'm, I feel like it was too. Or Showtime no, or something? Yeah. It's it is interesting to sort of like, I mean, people speak relatively highly of Vincent and Leo, which is in 90, which is the... the uh, Vincent and Theo, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is interesting. Um, and then he does the, I mean, he's very open about the fact that like, he did the player to, to be able to make shortcuts. Like that was really mm-hmm. ultimately mm-hmm. shortcuts was the passion project. He really wanted to get made. The player is a hit. It allows him to do shortcuts. He thinks that Predaporte is going to be a hit. It's obviously not. It's just, yeah. you know, and then, and then he has this sort of ultimately this late career masterpiece in Gosford Park, Gosford which Park. really kind of everyone, you know, kind of assumed that, you know, probably gonna win the oscar for this you know it's a no, lot of no one i mean that, but it I was mean, amazing it got nominated i mean it, i don't know about that no, i think it was that, a big it was a big hit it, no it people definitely people definitely loved it but it, i thought i'm not saying not. that that there was ever a moment when when ron howard wasn't most likely the guy but i just mm-hmm. mean in the sense that altman it was sort of this moment of are the oscars going to give it to altman for the career that he has had oh yeah um yeah and because yeah, he made this great that. movie that that yeah. very academy that friendly that doesn't happen very often that only really happened with one director uh martin scorsese made this movie the departed which sucks and they <laughs> just gave him they just gave he made a great he made a great they just realized what then they just then they just gave him they just gave him an oscar for no reason mm, um, i mean he made but i do just want to i just want to say this Someday we will do our, our, our someday in the future, we will have a one-off departed just, episode where we can just, just release a departed. I'll just release a departed episode. We'll just release it. We'll, just, I mean, we'll get Brian and Liz Hanna. I love it'll that. Be, it'll be amazing. Well, um, I remember but, uh, Kenny putting the call out to, to get people who hated it on your side and uh, crickets, crickets. He has crickets. people that, that he has some. No, 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 no. Definitely First of, by the way, by the way. I like the crickets, Brian. I want the crickets. The man likes to eat. He likes to eat crickets. <laughs> I think. I, 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 it's I think true. I, I think. I think you know me and know me well enough to know yeah. now. I I love would, be, would embolden you. I love yes. being. Yeah, you know, you know the beginning of Fargo, the show with that with that um the with the uh the what the fuck it is the poster that he runs his head yes, into yes yes, 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 yes. with the oh, one sure. fish going that way and the yeah. other fish going yeah. that way and the question yeah. what if what if you're right right that's right. it right i'm that fish I do, I do just want to say though because i do think that to get back to altman for a second because i do think <laughs> yes, that please. he was uh he was a very um uh, anti-establishment filmmaker. I mean, in the 70s, he was really sort of a, uh, you know, going in, doing things that no one had done before. The, the biggest mm-hmm. sort of, I would say, arguably, the his legacy, his lasting impact on the, on the format of filmmaking is the voices, the cacophony of, you know, Nashville was, I have not seen it, admittedly but it was sort of the first time that you had this massive ensemble of people talking over each other this idea you should of an watch audience it today 
I, I, I might watch it today. Um, I probably won't, but I might. Uh, I, cause I have movies to watch, but I do think that for this podcast, I think that that was one of those things that, that really kind of changed the way, uh, dialogue was recorded and the way the dialogue was disseminated to an audience where he was not, uh, he didn't care so much if you got every line of dialogue. He, he wanted you to sort of have to fight to pick apart what was going on, um, a mosaic of sound and voices and what have you, which I think is fascinating. Um, but it sometimes can be fucking frustrating, too, right? Like you're, you're trying to parse together what is important and what's not. And I think for him, he was like, real life is like this, right? Like you're if you're in a room filled with people, you've got a whole bunch of voices coming at you and you're trying to figure out, you know, what stuff to pay attention to. I mean, I think that and also his his um, his the the way he shoots his films, the cinematography, the slow zooms on things that he wants you to notice mm-hmm. um, that I love. There's there's one in this um, early on uh, when Willis drops his flask or drops the bottle of booze and the, the camera zooms in on the bottle and pulls back out. Like, I, I, I love that the camera for him is definitely a character well yeah and i think uh the and then everything you just said is true i think i think sort of build upon that his the the process by which he made movies was sort of if not revolutionary very very unique to him it was why i think a lot of actors really enjoyed working with him because he would sort of he would sort of stage these scenes and he would have a script but then kind of give it a loose sort of improvisational feel where he's capturing behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's very much, you know, it's very much composed and, and, and edited and, 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 you know, for the final, for the final product. But uh, I, from what I gather, the process of making it for the actors was a lot of fun because it was, you know, walk wherever you want to walk. Um, don't worry about, you know, if your back is turned or, you know, don't worry about where, where the camera is. Uh, the camera sort of functions a little more like a fly on the wall and the script a little, a little more like this, you know, makes my skin crawl as a screenwriter, but a little more as a blueprint. Sure. Um, now I think that wasn't, it, it varies from movie to movie. I mean, there's some of his movies that don't have that overlappy loose yes. feel of yes. McCabe and Mrs. Miller Nashville at all. In fact, this one that we're about to talk about, yeah. it has elements of those, but it's, it's, a, it feels a bit more for lack of a better word, traditional yeah. than some of his other ones. So he mixed it up. I think uh, throughout his career and even Prairie Home Companion feels a little more, again, lack of a better word, composed or sure, sure. purposeful was, than say Nashville, which is very, you know, kind of, as you said, like yeah, sprawling in a mosaic. So, well, um, yeah. he he's the if if you were to say to me uh, ensemble, he's the guy. Yeah, oh, sure. he, he's yeah. he's the guy that you're like. He wants to have fifty actors, um, you know, yeah. all above the title, all doing interesting things. I also think it's worth noting too, you know, to 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 speak to what you were saying, Brian, about sort of the fluidity of it. Uh, the man loves a master. Loves a wide shot, mm-hmm. loves mm-hmm. to just sort of let things play out, um, and uh, and that's really lovely too. There's just mm-hmm. there there is something very, um, you know, we've talked about this, Kenny, uh, obviously over over the years, but like 
you know when you're in good hands, right? You, mm-hmm. you know that when, when you've got oh, a yeah. filmmaker who is confident, he knows what he's doing, they know what they're doing. Um, it, it, it's, and to sort of rewind to what you guys were saying too, like take swings. Obviously not all of his movies worked, but yeah. like even when you sit down and press play on Popeye, <laughs> It's a no, thing, I, and it no, and it I knows mean, what the I mean, fuck I, it I, is. You know, I love Popeye. Yeah, yeah. What I will say too, I think, uh, and this is a part of everything you're just talking about. Yeah. Um, his movies are all about in, uh, environment. Yes, you know, every mm-hmm. even even the ones that I, like, I can't stand Predaporter, but I I remember the environment of it. He's yeah. as good as maybe anyone ever was at presenting a world. And so the art direction in, in all his films is very you know evocative and rich. And in this one, indeed, even yep. though this is, again, one of the smaller ones, mm-hmm. the world of that of that town and of those houses is so um, sets a stage really beautifully good. presented. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Ryan, had you seen this one? Yeah. I, so I saw I would have seen Cookies. I saw Cookies Fortune in the theater uh, wow. in 99. Uh, I was already a big Altman acolyte and this sure. was 99 as I've mentioned in previous appearances this is smack dab I'm in the middle of college in New York sure. living across the street from two great cinemas one of which is no longer there um, the Lincoln Plaza cinemas is the one that's no longer there rest sure. in peace uh, mm-hmm. so I saw just about everything I remember I, that I, movie I think we've discussed this before but that's a that was that cool theater? very much very well oh, I mean, one the, the other, I mean, the other one i assume is sony lincoln center right so yeah which is still there yeah so you 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 had every major studio movie and you had every major and you have and you had every art house yeah or every art house movie yeah it's it's it was right pretty there. remarkable I mean, oh, yeah yeah but what i can't remember and maybe you maybe you can answer this phil from your research i can't remember if this is one that was if this was an altman that played the art houses or got the big release I mean, this got a this got a big release. It's got I mean, the this big was, release because well, yeah. it, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I don't big know, for an Altman movie, you know, big but, for an Altman movie. I'm trying to remember. Um, bear with me. Who put it story. out? I can't remember. I, I was just I was watched just, October Films put this out. Okay, so a, that's an indie which is small. So it's pretty. And, and this this premieres at Sundance in January of '99. So, okay, so this might have been in the Lincoln Plaza it, cinemas. Then this is I might probably have seen this a, a smaller movie. Yeah. What, yeah, an, interest, what an interesting career. If you yes. really think about it, what an interesting oh, sure. career because people, you know, I mean, we you, he's talked about like he's John Cassavetes, but he doesn't have mm-hmm. a career like John Cassavetes. No. What, what no, he no. did in the, what he did in the '70s was. One of the most significant studio directors there was working with movie star after movie star after movie star. It's not like Nashville's peopled with random people. Nashville's pe- people with some of the biggest stars in you know in the world. So and true true and some of those that, movies are. I'm sorry, Kenny. Some of those movies are blockbusters, unlike yes. blockbusters yes. and yes. Blockbusters. blockbusters, high budgets, nominated for yeah. Oscars, actors yeah. nominated for Oscars. Um, yeah. No, he, he was a. It, it's an it's an interesting non Casavetti ish career if you really think about it. And he mm-hmm. had this, you know, very you know, very Hollywood centric seventies. Totally. This eighties um, that you that you were talking about, Brian, where bumpy, he almost made the eighties. Bumpy eighties, but yeah, I mean. To Brian's point, and I think you know, to Alton's credit, it's almost like he wasn't trying to do. He, it, it, it was like he failed. It was more no, like he, he was like, "I got to take my." He's like, "I got to take myself out of this for a while because yep. the kind of stuff I do is not they don't want to do." Yeah, you know, and and but wouldn't and you I, also say yeah. like there's 
in the 80s i'm just looking at like the distributors of his films in the 80s mm-hmm. you know it's it's just i guess my point is he rides kind of a crest in the in the 90s of of quote unquote independent american cinema right so oh, 100%, it's 100%. it's so he gets almost a like almost life. like a almost like a grandfather Absolutely. actually mm-hmm. a lot of that a lot of that mm-hmm. came from from bta really yes yes you know well, yeah, basically sure. holding him up as this is the man i want to be in a lot of ways and i well, certainly especially at the end yes yeah, that, that yeah. second run yeah. um i mean you know, and after literally short, was on set for prairie home companion because album was okay, so old happened yeah but the, i think insurance yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know and after after shortcuts shortcuts really was in a a you know a, a template for a lot of what you know, a, a certain type of indie director was doing PTA and Wes Anderson. I mean, Magnolia and fucking Shortcuts are obviously companions. They're the friends. Oh, they're they're, they're yeah. friends. Oh, they're, yeah. prairie, they're Prairie Home Companions. They're prairie but, home you know, companions. An, another guy who had a very similar career, Brian, is Sidney Lumet. Because Lumet also sure. had this killer 70s where yeah. he was, you know, very in demand Hollywood filmmaker and working with big stars, not Oscar nominations, big budgets, and had kind of this, you know, rough 80s. And this, he had a weird '90s, and then have you know came back. But uh, yeah, when we Gloria. did when we did our Glory episode, we also noted that it, right. that in the early 2000s he went to TV. Yes, and sure. did I believe the show is called Center Street, right? Or yes, I think so, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And he went to TV and 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 kind of found a an an avenue, an outlet that was you know Hollywood adjacent. And I think mm-hmm. they both kind of had this same thing. I, I wonder if Lynch kind of had, felt the same thing, which is I don't have to exactly leave yet, but I yep. need some other you know way to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And then the player, I don't think in any way Altman's the obvious director for that material. Yeah. Um, but in retrospect, someone who was in the system, out of the system, and now probably resents the system is the perfect oh, yeah. guy. Um, it's also oh, a guy yeah. who... I mean, the player is like I I love the player. I think it's a phenomenal film. Um, I really do want to rewatch it. Uh, it is it's a sharp movie. It's obviously a satire for sure. Um, yeah. and, you know, and and Kenny, with you having obviously worked on Entourage, um, it's interesting how people thought. There's a lot of people that tagged Entourage as the player, which it's not. Like I don't no. think it's a skewering of Hollywood. I really wish that's well. <laughs> it, I, I, I mean, wish that sort of skewers doing, Hollywood, but, but like not really. No, like we're no. There's no affection yeah. for Hollywood in the player. That's my point. Yes, yeah, I mean, there's a player. In the player thinks Hollywood is a hellscape. Hellscape, and there yes. and there is there is no God, and it's all <laughs> there's no art. There's no integrity. I mean, the final I mean, shot of the player, it's, of the kids yeah. saying "na na 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 na" of him I like mean, getting away with it, and like it's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah, I, which is I, why I, I love the, the when then they, it was feted with Oscar nomination. I mean, of back. course, we fucking hate you know? ourselves. <laughs> I mean, but um, uh, yeah. no, I, I think I think the the, the spiritual errors to the player in terms of like the Hollywood stuff. I mean, specifically Larry Sanders is like the mm. big one, mm-hmm. you know, which feels very much in that like this is all a big. Fuck joke like this well, is the stars the stars playing themselves in cameos thing i think that, that is too. real you know uh, yeah. i mean that that's that's a big i mean that's my favorite part in the players when he, he runs into malcolm mcdowell at a oh, party and malcolm mcdowell's like, like by the way you. <laughs> next time if you want to insult me do it to my face Gordon. yeah <laughs> You're i love that too context. Uh, oh, i also I, I mean i also just love that insult. i mean 
now, I mean, we see this in 99 movies all the time. You have all these stars in 99 movies who are still super relevant today and look the exact same. Yeah. Malcolm mm-hmm. McDowell in 1971 played a fucking 18 year old. In 92, in the player, he looks a thousand. Like, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, that is, a, that is a fun thing about the player is, is because he'd been out of it for a while, a lot of the cameos are out of date. Really? Well, that's true, too. Sure. I mean, mm. it's like, look, there's Karen Black, and you're like, yeah, yeah. cool. You know, I, wait, wait, yeah. but it's kind of, that's kind of charming about it. I but love I think, that about but, it. Yeah. But, but real quick, just because uh, I, I, I suspect what it was in terms of his comeback, and I think you could probably find a few other filmmakers uh, where this happened as well, is in the, nine, the 90s, like everything else, every 20 years you start, you know, like, like for, right now we're all obsessed with the 90s. Like the kids are into the nineties now. They are in the nineties. That have you seen? Back. Have you seen their pants? Yeah, it's crazy. Oh yeah, it's insane. It's a nightmare. So the a 90s, tutorial nightmare. In the nineties, it was the seventies. <laughs> you know, the seventies. The seventies was. Yes, I remember that too. Was yeah. getting appreciated, and the seventies filmmakers were being appreciated. And those those seventies filmmakers that didn't kind of transition seamlessly into the eighties, like Spielberg, um, were afforded comebacks, yeah. as you say, because the their sensibility could jibe with that 90s indie cinema thing and what's interesting about altman is altman was while he came up uh in terms of being a major filmmaker in the 70s he was older than a lot of those guys then like he was older than spielberg bogdanovich uh, coppola because he'd been in television for a while so he was he was sort of an elder statesman rebel in two generations weirdly enough um yeah. yeah, but I'm always fascinated by these guys that come up in television, which especially then in the 50s and 60s is very structured yeah, and Lumet, very machine, yeah. Yeah. like Lumet, like yeah. Richard Donner, uh, and and then and then emerged with with completely different kinds of you know sensibilities. Like they had the it's, tools. Peck and Paws, another one. Like sure, they had the tools to make the machine stuff, and then they uh, absorbed all that stuff and then blew it up. Well, but then there's still technique. You know, it's interesting, too, because like you mentioned this uh, earlier in terms of kind of, you know, let's just say a loose way of approaching filmmaking. Right. In terms of like the way he worked with actors, the way that the script was a little bit more of a blueprint, whatever the case might be. That's antithetical in its own way to television. Right. As we all know. So it is interesting to see how Altman sort of took what he learned, the lessons he learned in television, and then kind of sort of bent them to his will in order to create a a really sort of interesting, almost Mike Lee way of making Mm -hmm. films, um, completely different in terms of the fact that he he was clearly a genre guy in a lot of ways, too. Like he liked I mean, he wanted to kind of almost in a Kubrickian way break apart the genre come at a western and make a completely you know oh yeah you know, yeah he, he just he does so many different, different kinds of movies throughout yeah. his career absolutely right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it is and, and that's why like this film in particular with cookie's fortune which does is sort of it's funny as i was watching it was like it's sort of a mystery it's sort of a soap it's sort yeah. of a commentary on it's got kind of a noises off backstage kind of thing going yeah. on too with the play um, it's it's really kind of a mishmash of a bunch of different things, which makes it really kind of fascinating. And it's interesting, too, because like the film that precedes this is Dr. T and the Women, which I think is one of his worst films, quite honestly. Um, no, Dr. T's right after. Oh, yeah, is it right after, after this? After. Same, okay. yeah. same writer. Same, same writer. writer. And, and right. rap. Okay. Wrote both. Yeah. Wrote both. Dr. T is, 
bizarre. I saw that in the theater. I remember seeing that. Yeah, in the I've, I've actually never seen Dr. T. It's, 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 it's an F cinema like, score movie. Yeah. It's a rough yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, but it's also, I, mean, I don't know that it's, should it have been an F cinema score? I don't know if it's that bad, but like, I'm just saying it's, it's interesting. <laughs> but this film, I think, is a pastiche of a bunch of different stuff, which I do think is really fascinating. Let me give a little bit of a context. Uh, After learning that her aunt, an elderly Mississippi widow, has taken her own life, Camille, played by Glenn Close, hatches an unusual post-mortem plan with her sister, Julianne Moore, in tow. Uh, Camille hides evidence that points to suicide, deciding instead to make the death look like a murder. Her scheme fueled by vanity and greed is not victimless, as it appears that a local handyman played by Charles S. Dutton uh, might take the fall for a crime that was never that never occurred. Cookie's Fortune opened on April 2nd, 1999 against The Matrix, 10 Things I Hate About You, The Out-of-Towners, Forces of Nature, and Analyze This. It would go on to make $10.9 million on an $8 million budget. It's a uh, lot of money. I was nice. going to say, right? Wow. That's wow. crazy. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. Every time I do this fucking show, you read those kind of stats and I'm like, oh, God, wow. Things are <laughs> different. Yeah. It's a nice it's little movie. <laughs> it's a nice, nice little movie. It did but and up against like some fucking heavy hitters. Some heavy hitters. How does this? Yeah. There was room. There was room. I, I, I was, don't yeah. even know. I mean, there. I don't even know. Oh, I, my whatever. God. Wow. But uh, it's got eighty six percent of Rotten Tomatoes from critics, sixty five from audiences. Roger gave mm. the film four stars, which is interesting. Rod, this is a four star movie. But Rod. No, uh, Cookie's Fortune is the kind of comedy with a lot of laughs and even more smiles. The cast blends so smoothly you can believe they all live in the same town. There's great warmth at the center of this film. Altman's films are sometimes criticized for being needlessly enigmatic and elliptical, for ending at quixotic moments, for getting too cute with the asides. He does sometimes commit those sins, if they're sins, but in the service of creating movies that are original, Cookie's Fortune has no ragged edges or bothersome detours and flows from surprise to delight at the end when just desserts are handed out it arrives at a kind of perfection um sure i mean okay. sure four stars is i i as as kenny no, I, i'm sure would agree no. as we've obviously we talk about uh ebert's reviews uh there are just times when ebert's just happy to sit in a movie with a bunch of movie stars and a filmmaker that he likes and he's probably just a little too kind to that film oh and, yeah you know, Plus, he was the first to say he thought the star rating was stupid also and that too. imposed on him by his ed- by his publishers. And sure, sure, sure. So if he had a great night, he gave it four stars. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, yeah, that felt like I, four I, stars uh, just then, you know, so throwing out four stars is great. Sure. I like that. Just in general, throwing out four stars is great. <laughs> There's I mean, um, not to do it, not to do a WWE detour, but I'm going to do it real fast. Oh, wow. There's okay. a there, there's a very famous WWE uh, ju- wrestling journalist. Okay. Who for years and years and years has been rating matches for okay. 40 years. And it was always five star matches were his highest matches. What he, and if you got a five star from Meltzer, it was a very usual thing. And, okay. you know, he'd only, he'd only given out like 20 over the last 40 years. And all of a sudden he gives out a five and a quarter stars. And he, mm. he, re, he responds. He said, I never said there was, a, it was five was the top. And I never said it. So I like the idea. Yeah, I like the idea. Now he's giving yeah. out six stars here and there. I like the idea. That, I like the idea that, you know, at some point Ebert might throw out another quarter star. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen? He, that, you know, I never I think, said I it was he, out of four. I just threw yeah, this is how, I yeah, think he would have. I, yeah. I think he would have. I think he would have appreciated that. Um, it's funny, Phil, when you read when yeah. you read that synopsis of the story. Yeah. Um, 
there's a version of that that's really dark and disturbing and a thriller. And one thing that I found kind of, it's it's funny. You asked if I'd seen it before. I saw it in 1999, not to skip to the end of the episode, but this is the rare case where I feel exactly how I felt about it. Sure. In every way. Yep. Then when I watched it in 99, like it's exactly well, which is fine. Um, and, but anyway, what I, what I appreciated about it then and now, uh, and, and it's kind of unusual is how <laughs> it's a really high stakes situation and it couldn't be more low stakes the way it's played, which is, I think yeah. what's funny about it. Like that's the joke is they're all in jail playing Scrabble and you know, yeah. there's the, 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 he has an alibi. It's very clear. He didn't do it. It's very clear they will figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, even even apart from the fact that you're watching a movie and you know it's going to work out, it's it, the characters know. Ned Beatty's like, it, he didn't do it. Like, there's an incompetence so to the police yeah. department as well, where you're just like, yeah, they'll only eventually kind of though. I, 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 I want to say like, one thing. Like, they're doing I their jobs. They're they're yeah. crossing the T's. And, I want to say I want to you know? say one thing that I really loved yeah. about this movie that may you know that that actually may not be necessarily in its favor. Uh, in the grander scheme, but what I believe this movie does and Altman was doing was playing with our preconceived notions of the, of um, the, the message movie. And it's sure. very, it's, it's a little nerve wracking to me watching a film where you have a black man, one of the only black people in this movie accused of a crime set up by a, you know, a wealthy white uh, yeah. woman. And I do think you are, at least I was a little of, and, and I wasn't, it wasn't until the end of the movie when I'm like, Oh, this movie's great because I was a little mm-hmm. nervous the whole film that Charles S. Sutton was going to go down for this. Yeah. And the tone of the film was like, it, 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 it felt like, yeah, this is just a thing that happens. And, I, I, I sometimes, sometimes one, I want my movies to be movies and not be messages. I want to be able to actually have fun and feel better about the world. And two, as Phil knows, I love a movie where everybody in general is uh, is trying to be the best version of themselves. Sure. Yeah. And that's what I think is happening in this movie where, you know, the cops are trying to be the best versions of themselves. And, um, Courtney B. Vance, who's obviously great and everything he does is trying to be the best version of himself. Julianne Moore proves to be the best version of herself. And, uh, you know, the villain is the villain. Yeah. Um, Glenn Close, you know, yeah, I understand where she's coming from. Reputation was probably the only thing she ever worried about her entire life. Mm-hmm. So I get that. That's a you know obviously reputation is a massive thing among wealthy people in the South, um, and so I understand. And uh, but just, just say I so yeah, that's sure. why I really liked it. And I do think that you know if at least for me there was this undercurrent the entire film of this is the South, a black man accused. I've seen sure. fucking To Kill a Mockingbird. I know what happens. And thank God it right. didn't happen in this film. So I I will say though, at the end of this film, I did ask myself, did the punishment fit the crime? Um, in so, terms of being in terms Glenn of Glenn? Glenn? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I what, mean, was the, what was the punishment? Well, she went to jail forever. For went to jail for for murder, murder. Oh, because Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore puts her in jail for murder. I mean, oh, that's yeah. where the black. Comedy, yeah, no, it fits I mean, the crime. It fits the crime. It fits the crime. I mean, she was fuck her. The thing is, (laughs) yes, I think when you add up in the rules of the movie, (laughs) the totality of her crimes, not just not just uh, uh, 
not just the fact that she is immediately aware that Charles Dutton could go to jail for this and doesn't stop it. Sure, 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 sure. But the fact that, you know, what she did to her sister and what she did and to Liv Tyler. Tyler. I think you're... you're and just to be I, very clear, bad person. Scourge on the in town. in any way riding for Glenn Close. Scourge not sure she should right. go to jail for murder for the rest of her life. But That's you know what? Right. You know what? I, but you like, know what? You're, I you're bet right. in a week they work it out. I bet in a week they were probably true. Ned Beatty, Ned Beatty will fish Ned with her and everything like, oh, will be let fine. Her I have yeah. fished with I her. Mean, it's, no, it's a good point, Phil. It doesn't fit the crime, but like, who cares? Fucker. What I, I mean, rock. it's also <laughs> just like, I think what's great, and not to be fucking talking about the ending, but whatever. I, I just, there's something about Julianne Moore's performance in the end. Oh, yeah. That is... I mean, first of all, Julianne Moore, obviously, great actor um, and great in uh, in Altman films, but like... You do get the impression that this is years and years of oh. build up, and she's just like, "Fuck you, I'm done. You're going to jail." <laughs> yeah, so, this like, is the great. southern. This is the southern gothic. Like, yes. Again, like if if you were to describe some of the trappings of this, it sounds like you know August Osage County or or right, or a long right, 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 or something, right. uh, t- like a Tennessee Williams thing where it's big melodrama and. What I love, what I really appreciated about it, I mean, it's funny. What I appreciate about it is also what makes it just a nice movie, but not a masterpiece. Yes. Like, there's a version you, of this you could do that could play, kind of really engage with all this stuff we're talking about in maybe mm-hmm. a more real way. Sure. Um, this movie is not interested in doing that. This movie is, is, is just a story. It's like, did you hear that one about Cookie, mm-hmm. the lady who shot herself? Yep. And, 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 her, and her aunt tried to cover it up. Like it's, it's sort of just a, it's a nice little yarn. And totally. I kind of appreciated that, that uh, Altman who, who had made plenty of big profound statement movies occasionally just wanted to, he, he clearly, and he made, he befriended the, this um, writer and rap who had been a script supervisor mm-hmm. for decades. And she was spin- pitching him short stories she wrote. And he's like, I just, I want to just make a movie of one of these short stories. And he does, you know, and, and it's, it's, and, I like how unpretentious it is. You know, it's, like, I, I think I agree with you completely. I think it's a perfect word for it. I think it's a great part of Altman. It could never happen today because barring a few notable examples these huge bold name directors need to make every film a marquee event right yep. they can't just make a little movie like this yep. it's and could You're you imagine right. it's so hard i like i think about even and this very obviously altman inspired he's the fucking song from popeye uh punch drunk love yeah um sure. uh punch drunk love is a small movie but even that had this veneer of like this is Paul Thomas Anderson's next thing, well, and he also went to Hawaii, and it also had look at, it's also, look at and look, that's look, it too. Pizza, look at licorice pizza. Licorice pizza is at its heart a very simple little it is, it story is. that doesn't mean anything, but it it's presented because he just can't not. And I like that movie a lot, but he Anderson just can't not present everything on an epic scale. Sure, but he almost has to. Wanted not a criticism. I think yeah. no, and I think that's I think. You're right. You're right, Phil. I think the studio wanted it, needed it. I think that's how you I think that's how you market a Paul Thomas Anderson today. I think you're right, Brian, that he can't not present it on a big scale. I think the story of one's childhood, I you know, we're seeing it now with every director, essentially. I think Licorice Pizza falls into that, you know, Fablemans and Oh sure. And Roma kind of, you know, Armageddon time thing is is the new way to tell an epic story for a director. Mm. I I I couldn't, yeah, yeah. I I 
I couldn't conceive of, and I'm going to reference someone who I don't normally reference on this podcast. I couldn't conceive of someone doing the Beyonce, let's just drop it thing. Let's just drop it without telling anyone about it. Thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, you that's kind of how this, how this feels. And I, as I recall, it's kind of how it felt. Like this was one, I have enough of a memory of it where it was, it was released. This is the new Robert Altman movie. It's here in theaters, but yeah. it wasn't presented as this is the heir to, sh- to shortcuts or it, some of them are presented that way. Gosford Park was absolutely presented as this is the new masterpiece from Robert Altman. This was, oh, here's a Robert Altman joint. You know, uh, these actors are in it. Come see it. And people did clearly. Yeah, and, an- another another director you know. not often mentioned on this podcast, uh, but mm-hmm. I think it's worth mentioning for this moment is Woody Allen. Oh, is there a oh, person yeah, actually right a now? Lot more like a Woody Allen movie. That's true. Well, That's it's true. more like Woody Allen because Woody Allen would do yeah. that exact same thing where, you know, he'd make 10 what movies about? a decade. Occasionally, you'd have a Blue Jasmine at a Midnight in Paris, and then you'd have, you know, right. Percy Jade Scorpion, and no one would care. And I think he, you know, right. wash, I think he'd wash his hands of it and move on. And yeah, I, are, are there directors right now who are making movies at that clip? And some of them are big, and some of them are small, and some of that, you know, no, some of them I don't think you can. And, I don't think the market supports it. I mean, yeah, I, just I mean, outside outside of probably horror directors that you know, yeah, actually, that's yeah. I, mean, or, or I mean, would say international filmmakers to some degree. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I don't know if, if it's still happening, but yeah, you know, I mean, who who did audition? Uh, Takeshi McKay. So Takeshi I mean, McKay makes twenty films a decade, and some of them are yeah. auditions, some of them you never heard of, right? But yeah, yeah I mean, in, in terms of in Mike Holly, Lee makes America, a lot of movies. I mean, Mike Lee makes a lot of movies. He does, yeah. he does. But in terms, but he's he like Woody Allen managed to carve his own little little universe where he could just do that. You know, um, and 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 really, Altman kind of did too. I mean, I was just before we spoke yeah. uh, today. I was looking at the at the filmography, and I was I was um, reminded of how prolific Altman was. I, I yep. I had I had I'd forgotten that um, actually. He he doesn't he didn't take he very rarely took big breaks between movies. Only did at the end, I think, because he was ailing. But even then, you know, even I mean, then. Two three the years, company, yeah. and and then Perham Companions three years later, and that he, he yep. dies almost immediately after that's released. So it's um, I, you yeah, know, I, it's interesting too because I'm thinking about like Cookie's Fortune coming out in April. Oh, right. also interesting, right? Yeah. Like this is not a movie. This was clearly not an awards player as far as as far as they were concerned. But yep. like all of his films, for the most part, are released in the fall because mm-hmm. I think that you know after the player, everyone is like you know. This guy is back in the game. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it is interesting to look at, like, Gosford Park comes out Christmas, basically. It's a limited release, and then it goes wide in January of 2002. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But Prayer Home Companion was also released, you know, deep in the fall. Like, it's, it's just, mm-hmm. he, so that Cookie's Fortune was kind of, I hate the word dumped, but kind of dumped in April is mm-hmm. interesting. Um and then it makes ten million dollars in, in and probably April. smart, yeah. Like I don't, yeah, it probably so like doesn't it make worked. that money in the fall, yeah. yeah. I think it's fascinating. I, you know, looking at his Academy Award nominations, he got an honorary award in '06, so near near the end of his near the end right. of his life, because yeah. um, he he passed away in in '06. Um, yeah. He gets a Best Director nomination for Mash in '70, uh, mm-hmm. Best Picture nomination for Nashville, and Director in 75 best director uh, for shortcuts, the player um, and Gosford park. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 
all bangers, all all work. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I'm not I'm not a big fan of Mash. I'd never seen Mash until during the pandemic. I watched it. Uh, I didn't love Mash. Uh, it's it's definitely a product of its time. It's it's deeply misogynistic and weird. It, yeah. uh, it's just it's not really my thing. But right. um, but yeah, it's it's just it, it. He's a fascinating guy. I also think it's worth talking about. We talked a little bit about sprawling, eccentric, strange casts of characters that he loves to have. You know, looking at the cast of Cookie's Fortune, you've got Glenn Close, Julianne Moore, Liv Tyler, Chris O'Donnell, Charles S. Dutton, Ned Beatty, Courtney B. Vance, Donald Moffat, Lyle Lovett, Lyle Lovett, who got a basically I, only cast yeah. in movies in by <laughs> Robert Hall. And, and, and always as total creeps. It's, it's but like, creeps. he's fucking pretty good he's great he's, great. he's so he's great. good a player he's great in the shortcuts he's, he's great in yeah. this he's, he's, he's such he a he's julia a, roberts on the player if i'm not mistaken yeah um which i uh, think yes. is hilarious <laughs> that um, was a funny little chapter i remember that but uh, uh yeah just just an amazing you know i look at at robert altman's career obviously but like Look at Shortcuts, for instance. The cast of Shortcuts, Andy McDowell, Bruce Davison, Julian Moore, Michael Modine, Ann, uh, Ann Archer, Fred Ward, Jennifer Jason Lee, Chris Penn, Robert Downey Jr., Lily Taylor, Madeline Stowe, Tim Robbins, like Tom Waits. It goes on forever. Yeah. It's That, to me, is probably his masterpiece if i had to i mean again of the movies i've seen i look at shortcuts and i'm like that's the quintessential robert altman film um but i i I, it's it's just he's a, a fascinating guy was a fascinating guy this film i want to talk about the the performances in this one for a second Mm because i feel like glenn close is great in this there were rumors that i guess francis mcdormand almost played the role and then Right, or right. or Angelica Houston, like there there were other people, but like Glenn Close is in the pocket in this role, like she's fucking killing it. That's so funny. I she's my own the only performance I don't like in the movie. Oh really? And I felt that way in 1999 when you were Francis McDormand and Angelica Houston. I was like, oh shit, both of them would have been better. I couldn't. Right. Well, um, not, yeah. I I don't. Uh, I think she's too big. I think she's the only one playing. Yep. She's in a comedy. Uh, I love it's a cartoonish lover for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I think she, right around this time she's playing both Cruella DeVille and Norma Desmond she and, is. and they're both there. So <laughs> that's a really good point. And it yeah. might've been, frankly, it might've been in when I, in 99, I felt this exact same way in 99. I, it's funny when, when you said, let's do talk cookies fortune. I hadn't watched it since I saw it in the theater. Sure. Remembered very little about it, but I remembered, uh, old lady dies, uh, yeah. Charles S. Dutton, the South, and I don't remember liking Glenn Close. That's what I remember. Those four things. <laughs> and uh, and and the and I rarely dislike her. So this is not like I'm a huge fan of her. Huge fan. If she's listening, I love you. I'm sorry. Um, but for some reason, uh, yeah, I think it's just too. And it's arch. not like the, some of the. It's not. Yeah, it's too arts. I think some of the other performances are are also obviously broadly comic. But like Julianne Moore, for instance, Julianne Moore is playing like this simple woman who's. It could easily have been a cartoonish performance. And she, I think she's incredible in this movie. Like, yeah, I love her. She's great. I mean, Liv Tyler is great. I live Tyler is adorable. Is really in interesting. It. Yeah. I love that apparently Altman. Wonderful. You know, Altman said that she that she looked too pretty with long hair. So we wanted her to cut her hair. But then I'm just like, mm. for, she's still beautiful with a pixie haircut. Like she's, yeah. she's, she's just she's stunning. She's awesome. Yeah. This my one of my favorite scenes is the scene where she and it's a long take that kind of zooms in and zooms out is when she's in the jail yeah. uh uh saying saying 
uh, saying, I'm going to be put in this cell too. And, and, and you have to, and she's whispering to Donald Moff and be like, actually, if you really need me to, I, mm-hmm. I, I a lot of unpaid parking tickets and, and a lot yeah. of other crimes. I'm a fugitive of justice. Like it's this yeah. crazy stream of consciousness. It's great. Monologue where she's going nuts and no one else there is arguing with her or putting up any fight. There's, there's no reason for her to go this far. It's it, that's one of my favorite scenes. She's great in this movie. It, it uh, paints yeah, a really, it, it really doesn't. That's, that's my main issue with it. It's yeah. I was going to say it paints a, a really lovely picture of, you know, the end of Elm South, to be honest as as a you know warm kind of takes a village kind of place i don't normally love glenn close and kind of loved her in this i think oh, I, mean, I don't know i like i it's funny when you say mcdormand because i don't like mcdormand in um i don't let me put it this way i don't want mcdormand in villainous roles um okay sure I, she can play whatever she wants to play of course <laughs> But for me, I, you know, it, it, she's Mar- she's Marge Gunderson. I want her in heroic roles. And uh, I thought Nomadland was a heroic role. And I think that that's, you know, there's a there's a, such an integrity to Frances McDormand sure. that um, mm-hmm. sometimes when she plays a villainous role, it uh, it it hits me weird. Right. It kind of, you know, it, it, it hits me weird. Clint Close is the opposite for me. So <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I always I think, think Angelica, there's something. I think uh, I think Angelica Houston would have been perfect when you when you say yeah, she would have been Houston, great. I'm like, oh, because I think she's one of the most underrated actors, actually. I yeah. think she's very. I, I, lo- I mean, listen, I, I think all of these people uh, that we're talking about are all heavy hitters. They're all yep. brilliant oh, yeah. in their own way. I do. I You know, when you. Brian bringing up the the Cruella Deville and Norma Desmond thing does definitely hit home for me in hindsight looking at the performance I I, I enjoyed her in it because I'm one of those people where like uh, I, I can get sort of hooked it when an actor's having a blast I'm having a good time if oh, that's sure. a, if I don't if that's a weird thing to say oh, yeah. but like and everyone's clearly having so much fun right like she's yeah. just and and I look at like some of my favorite Glenn Close like I love Glenn Close in the paper for instance oh hell yeah the best like she's the great. great movie and she's great in it yeah. and she's towing that line of villain and and she's doing all of it that's the that Glenn movie. Close that I want more of yeah. to be honest yeah. I mean you know now she's yeah. 70 but she's the great Gl- Glenn I love that movie it's by far my favorite Ron Howard movie yeah. um <laughs> and uh yeah I think I want her to play real people She's, I think that's what I, I really like. Yeah. I think that it's interesting. You know, you bring up Corella to Whitville and you bring up Norman Desmond and this character and they're all, you know, very, you know, kind of broadly drawn. And mm-hmm. I know she can do it. And I understand that someone you go to for that kind of thing, because she's, sure. you know, she's a Swiss, Swiss, excuse me, Swiss army knife of an actor, but mm-hmm. I love her in the paper. She's so fucking cool in that movie. She's, yeah. she's great in that film. She is human in that film. I think about the scene um, when she's having the affair with the guy and she's squeezing her, her skin together. And she's like, there's mm. wrinkles in my skin. He's like, yeah, but if you squeeze anyone's skin together, they're wrinkles. That's how it works. <laughs> there, there's something about her uh, sort of, there's a, there's a fragility to her. That's fantastic. I mean, Truthfully speaking, she she also, you know, physically fights Michael Keaton at the end, too. She does. That movie's so good. Yeah. I I think it's worth noting as well. I mean, Patty Hughes in Damages is is a a character for the ages. And and what she does in that is unbelievable. Um, But 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 I'll take but but I'll take her, you know, for me, of course, I'll take her in the shield every day of the week. 
which you is know, yeah, the shield. Yeah. He's so which amazing in the yeah. shield. I and, very rarely yeah. dislike Langley. I truly, this is one of the only times. I, and you know what it might be? It might not even so much be that uh, the performance is wrong. It's yeah. that it it feel it it felt then, and I felt now like I've seen I've seen that. It's not surprising me because she's played those. She did play those notes in other notable roles. Whereas Julianne Moore in this. I've never Julianne Moore is always the smartest person in the room in every movie she she's in, uh, or if not the smartest, certainly the sharpest. Or and so watching her play someone just truly dim, yeah, <laughs> is so amusing. And when she was when she launches into the she'll be describing something and then launch into one of her speeches from Salome. <laughs> this is one of the she's, well, that yeah, the Salome stuff for her, she is just is so living the life. I. You know, what this performance weirdly made me think of was Safe, the Todd Haynes movie. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. Uh, which is an oh, yeah. amazing movie that she's incredible in. And yeah, I don't think yeah, she yeah. she's not playing a dumb person in Safe, but she's playing a very muted person in that yes. movie. Like a, a person that's just like grappling with uh, her body and what's going on inside her head and just having to do yeah. a lot of sort of internal uh, acting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know. Julianne Moore is one of those actors, and we talked about her when we did uh, End of the Affair, Kenny, when we did our, our yep. favorite Julianne Moore God, performances. She's great in that. And she's great in and it. And we'll have and we'll have you know Magnolia coming up too. Yes, obviously you know, we have Magnolia. Yeah, good, good ninety nine. Um, good ninety nine. Like that, and but like look at the range of that. Like look <laughs> at those three performances yeah, yeah. in ninety nine. It's unbelievable. She was, so, she was so exciting. I remember at I remember at that time, yeah, how how she really was one of the most exciting actors she was. That's the right way to put it. She was exciting. You know, where it's like, oh, this is what's what's she going to do next? Like, what's you know, oh, she's in this. I'll go see it. Like, that doesn't really happen anymore where it's like they're in it. I'll go see it. I don't even know what the movie is. That That's very rare Mm -hmm. anymore. And she was definitely at that time, especially. uh, I'm I'm intellectually aware that this movie is 1999 and this is a 1999 podcast but for whatever reason like i keep I it, it keep i, I, I keep feeling like this movie was made a day after shortcuts you know like it keep, yeah i, I keep, remember i, totally I had no memory of the it, fact that it was 99 i was surprised when you I, told me about when i you know said, come talk about it i was like oh 99 okay well also yeah. because julian moore in particular in 1999 was a massive star this is post boogie night she's a huge yeah. huge star and she's playing kind of a small role in this. Now, obviously, it's very pivotal pivotal at the end, yeah. but this is not a, a, a massive role. This is, you know, the kind of role you'd put Julianne Nicholson in today, where, like, you get a really right, strong right, right. actor, yeah. someone who's really good at what they do, but not someone who's, like, a massive star. Someone like someone like Julianne Moore in 1994. Right. Yeah. You know, well, in 99, you know. I mean, yeah, it's, in, in 99, it's, it's just, that's, it, it's weird. They'll, and They'll do it for Altman and, you know, and, oh, yeah. and, and, and yeah, the only thing that changed really was her billing. She has, she has the shared title card. Your name, one name is second, but slightly higher billing. Yeah. That yeah. Thing well, it's, close, which you rarely see, but yeah. It's, it's really a good interesting because like the old, yeah. the old Spacey Jackson negotiator billing. That's right. The old, the old, you know, Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman and Hook billing, in that, you know? <laughs> uh, or or currently the uh, Ticket to Paradise billing that we've that, yeah. with, uh, with Clooney so what is that? and, is that, and Julia. Is that George first, Julia higher? Correct. You got to do uh, that. Still, you got to do that. Still top build though. Well, it's hard to say. Hard, well, I mean, you and I, Texas Hollywood, Sexist Hollywood. You might, you and I might have different definitions of top. For me, it's always what's higher is top. Oh, Steve, to oh, that's me, interesting. Oh, that's, to me, it's whatever's left because you're. Mm. you're left that's right. why they're doing it. That's why they're doing yes. it. Well, it worked. 
I so I just want to just very quickly because we talked Julian Moore obviously when we did our end of the affair episode, but I just want to talk very very briefly about this pocket at this time for her because you're we're talking about how she was one of the most exciting people and she absolutely was right um and it it does feel like she does shortcuts she does safe in the mid 90s she does jurassic park the sequel the lost world which was obviously a big payday and a big sort of like gets her on the map it's boogie nights that's really sort of the the moment i think she obviously gets a nomination in 97 for that she has big lebowski in 98 just psycho in 98 she does uh (laughs) She does cookies for she's great. She's great in Psycho. <laughs> she's I mean Psycho is insane, but but oh, I don't like the movie, but she's yeah. great in that. Yeah. But then like in 99, she's got Cookies Fortune and Ideal Husband, End of the Affair, Magnolia. So she's got those Ideal Husband. Ideal yeah. Husband, which I completely f- forgot she was in, Kenny. I don't know if you remember the four movies. Like, which is pretty which is pretty crazy. Um yeah. and then like in, in I hardly remember Ideal Husband at all. Well, those are those, 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 is it risable or risable? How do you pronounce that word? Risable? Risable, yeah. It's one of those risable Oliver Parker uh, bastardizations of Oscar Wilde. It's a weird movie, but I got to tell you, we had uh, Rochelle Lefebvre on. Yeah, we, we, she turned us around on it by the end. Yeah, we liked it all right, but there were, there were quite a a bit of movies in that vein um, in 99 that we did. I mean, look. But she only has one role. 300 movies of the year. In 2000, she is in one movie. She's in Ladies Man, which I think is amazing. No, oh, oh, the, t- <laughs> the t- t- she's in. Yes, she's. <laughs> I guess she has. A, she plays a clown, I believe, in Ladies Man. She has like. She did, I, mean, I, I saw guess she that, did one I day on that. Remember, which I think yeah, is hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Good she took her. a year off. She took some. She took some time. She it's just. Time. I, 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 I'm just like Hannibal evolution shipping news far from heaven the hours like it's just and, mm. and then she's one of those people that she's just in a lot of movies yeah. like then she's just like in a lot of yeah. movies and she's always good but i just it, it, it is a fascinating 99 for her um because no all, that's a real com- say- coming out as a big star year <coughs> the end of the affair i remember specifically being like wow here's like, this is her doing like yeah well because that know. was also, I mean, I personally think, and I think we all, I imagine we agree. End of the affair was was to be a big Oscar player, right? And then and she wasn't. gets the nomination. Right. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. But the movie kind of doesn't really do anything. No, the movie didn't really register. And I remember, I think it's a great movie. Uh, It is a great movie. But uh, you're right. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't hit. It didn't hit. uh, It didn't hit. It it was the wrong year. It was just the wrong year. It was just not, not in, not in vogue in 99. 
would have, yeah, you know, fit very, very nicely into almost any other year in the 90s. And the Magnolia mm-hmm. is obviously such a sprawling, you know, thing where like the only performance to get noted is Tom Cruise, Cruise. Uh, for, yeah. for, 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 you know, I guess relatively obvious reasons. But I'll say, and we'll talk about this, obviously, Kenny, when we do our Magnolia episode, there are lots of scenes in Magnolia that have stood the test of time, but I feel like the scene in the pharmacy is one of those scenes that everyone kind of points to as a high point of that film. Um, and it's, and it is walking the finest of lines, what she's doing in it. I don't want to talk too much about Magnolia because, of course, it's, it's coming. Sure. Yeah. But she is uh, something about Magnolia I really love. Yeah. Is it, it's almost like a concert where you've gotten together like 10 really incredible musicians and you were just, you know, Julian Moore's performance for about two hours of that movie is, is almost invisible. She goes in the house and out of the house. She hires Scott, she hires Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm -hmm. She Mm -hmm. leaves. She kind of has, you know, a, 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 perfunctory role and then has that moment near the end with the pharmacy and the car and all that, which feels like Julianne Moore is playing her solo, you know, and that's how a lot of this movie feels is you're just the same moment with Robards and and Dolce for Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. To bring it back to this, you've described the best Altman movies. I mean, you've described Robert Altman's movies when they at their best. And I'm sure Paul Thomas Anderson you know, would would agree that that's who he's emulating in, mm-hmm. in certainly Magnolia, but in all of his movies. I mean, that um, that deft handling of the ensemble and and cat and that br- the brilliant strokes of casting and and Cookie's Fortune is like a, a little mini version of of that too. I mean, it's I, I mean, I again, I I'm not crazy about the close performance, but otherwise, everybody's got just these wonderful little moments. That little scene, no, totally, when Courtney Vance is interrogating. Yes. The, the barks the bartender and the singer at the bar. Yeah. Uh, Matt Malloy as the the yeah. forensics guy. That's just a little too eager. He's so funny. I mean, just these wonderful little. Uh, and and then you know we haven't really talked much uh, about Patricia Neal and Charles S. Dutton, but those opening scenes those scenes are great. Them yeah. Are so wonderful and so simple and so sincerely played that they that they really set the table for that when she does. Uh, end her life you 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 are heartbroken and and her 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 spirit kind of in the in the way that one should in a story like this really kind of you know lingers on afterward and that's you know just one thing that we haven't really talked about is that he captures so well in all of his best movies is is just simple behavior you know and just patricia neal living in her space and that wonderful house and the way it's lit with that stained glass Mm -hmm. window um on the landing of the stairs, like you understand her life, you understand her relationship with him. And, and so even though the movie is a trifle, is, is sort of a little trifle and very silly, uh, it, you, you, you are invested in it because of, of, of that sort of, um, of, because that's that sort of that, that first half hour that just kind of presents. Well, I was just going to, yeah, town, I was just going to say that them. this, you know, the other thing that I think uh, Altman has is patience. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he really he allows this movie to take essentially 30 minutes before Cookie kills herself. Yeah, you know, that's 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 a fair that's a long amount of time when you think about it. And the point of that, obviously, mm-hmm. is so that we care about Cookie. We care about Willis. We see that relationship. We understand that relationship. Um, 
you know, obviously he's he's informing the audience of the fact that it's a suicide. So we're never going to question whether or not it's a murder or not. Right. So we're ahead of the game for all intents and purposes. But he's fine with that. Um, mm-hmm. I you know that all that all that Patricia Neal stuff up top is really beautiful and, and really touching. And um, again, like that comes with confidence, mm-hmm. you know, as a filmmaker to be able to know, like, I've got this, it's going to be fine. I'm just going to let this play out. It's going to take as long as it's going to take. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate it. There's a couple of things I wanted to hit just uh, in terms of just things that I, I loved Camille eating the suicide note. I mean, there's just something <laughs> oh, so, so that's, good. That's, that's very funny. About it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it is. And, and, and again, like, despite the fact that we, we all agree that like Glenn Close is, is perhaps playing for the cheap seats at times. Um, that moment, you buy it like that moment. It's you're just funny. like this. This person is is a lunatic. Well, and what's um, great is it takes her a while to, to eat it because it would. Yes, right. She's Paper, literally yeah. in the following scene. Paper's not. Julia Moore's like, "What are you eating? What are you eating?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why that's it's that's funny. why it's so great from the jump because it, it really it, in in no way is this is this about is is it a whodunit? Is about what's going yeah. on? It hardly even feels like is it like it, like is she gonna get away with it? It really is just a, a comedy of manners. It's just a little um, story. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, and I, 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 I think we, I think we've gotten away a little bit from how much of a driver reputation can be, but that's what our, our protection of your reputation can be. But that's what like mm-hmm. every, every single period piece is about ultimately. Yeah, sure. Um, and I don't think we understand, yeah. I don't think we understand or appreciate that. It's, it's still the same story. It's, mm-hmm. you know, one, once all, once all, your, you know, your Maslow basic hierarchy of needs are met, we're pretty much talking about reputation at that point for sure. yeah. as, 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 a, as a driver for drama. So, yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think that um, one thing I will say is that sometimes uh, Altman isn't subtle. Um, he's he's sometimes and, and the amount of caution tape in this film uh, is, <laughs> is hilarious. Caution tape budget uh, was high. The caution tape budget was high. Give me all your caution time, tape. Every time Liv Taylor, Liv Tyler, and Chris O'Donnell make out, they're like draped in a million stre- uh, things of caution yeah. tape, um, which I think is hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I think that this, I, 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 the other, there's one other line that I think is worth noting. As the film comes to its conclusion, a whole bunch of shoes are dropped about who Emma played by Liv Tyler's mom is because right. Camille was, was a, a hemophiliac. So Julianne Moore had to donate blood. And we find out that through a very convoluted and uh, sort of sweaty scene mm-hmm. uh, that, that Glenn Close is her mom. Um, she learns that she's cousins with Willis. And then mm-hmm. she says, which means I'm part black. And the look on Willis' face is fantastic. <laughs> he's, like, well, he's like, I don't think that, no. I don't know how that sounds works. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's great. Um, That's a great little shot too. That little yes, close up shot of the two yes. of them in the frame. Yeah, yes. oh. it's it. It really he's, does. He's such a king. I he think is. He's he's the best. But I think that I mean just for for Charles S. Dutton. Yeah. Charles S. Dutton. Uh, oh, he's himself, so wonderful. He's the best. He did himself yeah. in a little bit by starring in Rock. Um, sure. He, he cheapened himself, oh. and Rock isn't a bad show. But I thought Rock was sort of, in my memory, Rock is what made is what brought him to screens. He was a theater actor, and and he 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 got like most of his movie work because of Rock. Am I crazy? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't exactly. remember ever. I don't remember ever seeing Charles S. Dutton in anything until Rock. 
because I he was like he was doing August Wilson plays and stuff. And the, maybe you're right. Piano, so rock is 91 of, to 94. Yeah. And the cast of rock is the cat is the Broadway cast of the piano lesson given a sitcom. Yeah, no, and then it, and it's and it's a great actress and I love Rocky Carroll and I love Charles S. Dutton. Yeah. And I think it's cool, but I also think he becomes rock in a way that was hard to shake throughout the nineties. And I think yeah, um, well that could be. Yeah, that's probably and, you know, be. and I would say, you know, I mean, to me the obvious, you know, kind of spiritual air. Uh, he is the obvious kind of spiritual heir to James Earl Jones, right? A massive theater actor who kind sure. of made his way over to film at some point, a black man, obviously. Uh, and I don't know. I think if James Earl Jones did a, you know, Great White Hope TV show on, uh, you know, a, a secondary channel in the 80s, I don't think that would have helped. And I, I think, you know, look, you take the, you, you, you take the opportunities when they come, and rock was successful and rock also did you know by the second season they were doing all their shows live well, to kind of, live shows yeah because they were all theater so, actors and they were so like we can do this live and yeah. it was a cool it was a cool thing but i don't think you know on fox in the 90s it was it was seen as such i think it was more seen as oh this is this is a show that airs after married with children why is well, it grosser well here's the thing yeah it should have been it should have been the problem is it was on fox it was actually rock was actually like a a show it was like a norman lear s yes it was very much dramedy with with um non-star a, theater actors on yeah, very, he was after blue collar he was a yeah. he was a sanitation worker i remember this, i watched it all the time i remember, yeah, yeah, really I mean, well, I remember but, he like furnished the house the joke was he was furnishing the house with all the stuff he found you know yeah uh, on this garbage uh route but um but yeah i don't know i mean i think i definitely think i don't know i don't know if i necessarily would blame rock for it but i definitely think he's an actor who uh, I wish he had his his moment his heyday there for a while where he was popping up in movies like this and Alien Three and whatever. Sure. And then he kind of he still pops up now and then, but yes, you could certainly see uh, you could see him having a career like Samuel L. Jackson had that didn't happen. Um, Everybody maybe, knows he's yeah. Everyone you know, knows he's an incredible he, actor, but sure, it just it, sure. it, it just he, never really popped the way yeah. I think it could have. Yeah. And he rarely had movie roles even as big as this one. You know, I mean, he's probably the biggest part in this movie. Sure. If you or if you're thinking about screen time. Um so I, anyway. I, I do want to rate this because we're gonna do our mm-hmm. top five Robert Altman's and then Brian, we'd love to hear your your top ten ninety nines as sure. we as we have oh, been yes, asking our, our guests. Um as we're at the end wrap up our 99s. Wow. Um so I did not see this in 99. Um, so I can't obviously rate it from then. Before this podcast, I liked this movie. I had it at a 72, and I'm actually gonna go up a little bit. I'm gonna go up to 78. I think that talking about this and maybe just talking about Altman in general has made me like this film a little bit more. Um, I still don't think it's top tier Altman by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that um it's a solid mid-tier Altman, um, you know, and I and I think that uh, uh, for that I'm happy. What'd you this. go up to? What'd you go up to? I went to seventy-eight. Okay, so right. I feel so I feel seventy-two upon viewing, seventy-eight now that we've talked. Yeah, about. yeah, okay. that's where I'm at. What about you, right. Kenny? I was actually at an eighty-seven. Okay. I was more in Ebert territory. I, I said, <laughs> "Boy, what a satisfying movie! Give me satisfying every once in a goddamn while." <laughs> Good guys win, bad. Good guys win, bad guys lose. Characters are decent. Some are smart. I like it. I really, I, I, 
I really kind of can, can get on board with Ebert's um, Ebert's review of it. We, yeah, this like <laughs> we people talk about we talk about, quote unquote, perfect movies often. And the, the, the fact is a perfect movie is different from the best movie or your favorite sure. movie or an excellent movie even. And I would almost sure. say this is pretty close to a perfect movie, given what it's trying to do. I only think like if mm-hmm. a movie like this is capable of being in the 87 range, mm-hmm. right? I don't know how this could be anybody's favorite movie or most you know beloved movie or win an Oscar right. or anything like that. But this movie very much accomplishes what it sets out to do and more because of the, you know, the, the alchemy of movie making. I'm going to stick it at 87. I feel great about right. it. And I, I really, I really did love this movie. It's not, it's not quite a limbo esque find for me, uh, you know, like <laughs> we've had some of these movies, you know, particularly from masters, like a, like a sales or something. That's like, yeah. Oh no, this is not one of my favorite movies, but right, like, right, right. it's a good fucking movie. Yeah. Really happy. Yeah. We did it. Was not looking forward to it. The entire pod. Brian, I would. I'm I'm close, pretty close to you, Phil. I'd say I would have called said a 72 in uh, 99. Yeah, I would have said a 72 a couple days yesterday. And after talking about it, and even just thinking about a couple of the scenes, as I'll 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 bump it up to a to a to a 79. There you go. 79. Um, um, I think ultimately. The very thing that it does best is the reason it's not top tier, which is that it has no ambitions to really be anything more than a very sweet little story. And you're absolutely right, Kenny. It is abs- It is a four-star movie in terms of what it's setting out to do. But considering what it's setting out to do is kind of, I guess, kind of slight. Yeah. Which maybe yeah. is not fair. That's maybe why it's not top tier for me. But I, I'm so happy I rewatched it. I, 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 it wouldn't have occurred to me probably to ever no for it. sure this but, was i mean you know, Kenny said it yeah Kenny said it best like i wasn't particularly looking forward to this like i was looking forward to talking altman at some point yeah. as it was on the list we knew we were going to do it eventually um and yeah i'm, I'm, I'm yeah. pleasantly surprised this movie we've, nice movie. we've had it's so on stars many... people can watch it it's yeah, nice yeah. it's a nice one to throw on you know we've had so many masters uh, yeah, on our, in 99, we've done um, yeah. and uh, so many of their lesser films. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just what mm-hmm. and lesser films just in terms of the public perception, not necessarily in terms sure. of actual quality. But, you know, something like Limbo with sales something like, uh, you bring know, uh, yeah. bringing out the dead mm-hmm. or, right. you know, a hideous right. mid tier uh, yeah. or uh, not hideous King yeah. or a holy smoke or. We've done mm. a lot of these movies from these, you know, a Gloria uh, yeah. from yeah. masters that, that just aren't, you know, their their number one films. And and, and uh, I'm always nervous with those. I don't want to watch some great directors, you know, worst movie uh, yeah. like ever. Right. And this is a good want to watch a great movie. You want to watch a great movie. Departed, you know, you want to watch. I'll say this. Would would the Departed make your top five Scorsese? Oh, absolutely not. Of course not. Good for you. Would it make your top ten Scorsese? I'd have to think about it. Okay. Uh, can I just say this though? I'm glad I we didn't get Dr. T and the women for 99. Right. Cause yeah. you know, like, open, rag no. on a great filmmaker. Yeah. Right. Well, we had to, we had to with Lumet, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't fun. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen that movie's that. the worst. Lumet. No. Uh, what's his face? Cassavetes. George C. Scott. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> no, it was a cast. George, love is George C. Scott, Scott in it's his last movie. It's his last movie. Or it's his last or second. Yeah. It's very depressing. Um, Let's talk was, our top fives. He, it's very, it's awful. It's like it's okay, top, top, top five. Top five Altman. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll start right. at the bottom with my five. Uh, okay. My number five is a Prairie Home Companion. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think a a a really underrated movie. Lovely that I movie. think lovely movie, and I also think got unfortunately kind of overshadowed by his passing. I, I feel like it mm. it it it's first of all. Lindsay Lohan is fucking great in that movie. Um, people yeah. don't talk about her performance in that film, um, but she is great. Everyone's great. I mean, Meryl, Lily Tomlin, they're all great. Men. But it, it is, it's, a, it's a really, really funny movie. I believe it's the movie that Paul Thomas Anderson met uh, Maya Rudolph on as well. Um, but I, I oh. just think that it's just a really, really funny, lovely movie that... Um, doesn't get enough love. So that's my five. What's yes, your five? And I think, I, well, it's a perfect last movie, last movie yeah. too. It's all about death for Christ's sake. I mean, that's, that, that's, that is true. Death comes through the door at the end. Literally. I mean, it's, it's really something. Um, it's fun. I like a five way tie for my number five. Sure. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just be, I'm just have to be honest. And it's, sure. it's, it's probably got to be mash. I've seen mash like okay. 50 times. Oh, that, wow. now mash is one. Well, MASH is one that is the opposite of your experience, Bill. I grew up watching MASH because we, the show was on. So I would, I watched, it's, pro, it's certainly the first Robert Altman movie I ever saw. I probably first saw it when I was in middle school because it was like, uh-huh. Smash was the highest grossing film of 1970 and sure. made by, and it became the big show. And, and I completely uh, acknowledge that it's, it's <laughs> incredibly dated. Um, and uh, I mean, misogynistic is not even the right word but it's it's also but that said it's it's very fucking funny and um it's it's in and it it is the formative altman text in terms of kind of what he does and the fact that he was making he was sneakily making an anti-war movie about vietnam that he's that they said in korea but really it's vietnam so it was a it was a cultural behemoth at the time i absolutely acknowledge that it it doesn't particularly the hot lips Houlihan uh, uh, subplot. Um, and frankly, Robert Alan Alda agreed. And the makers of the TV show kind of purpose. The yeah. TV show couldn't be more different in its. No, no, they're very, very sensibility different. than the movie. But, um, but if I almost said Gosford park, cause I love Gosford park, but if I'm being honest, I probably should say mash. Cause I've seen it so many times. I mean, I could, I could quote the entire section in, in Japan when they're doing the surgery on the, on the, senator's kid anyway uh, uh, what is, what's cool. your, donald sutherland they're great what's your five kenny it's just not fun for me because this is not a guy that i even i'm just naming five movies i've seen so well, we I, to, I mean i would just let's burn through uh, it let's do it my number i'm i'm, I'm actually not going to do it all right i'm going to tell okay. you real quick you feel like I, you haven't seen enough of the. i just haven't even come close okay, I, okay. i've okay. seen three i've seen three that i love that would make okay. any list okay. uh okay. do you want me to say it now just, just do it. We'll, we'll just. I love the player. I love mm-hmm. Nashville. I love California Split. Okay. Um, I think they're all incredible films, uh, and I think Shortcuts is really good too. Uh, Gosford Park, I've seen, and um, I've also seen a few of the bad ones. But uh, I don't want to really make a list because, like, really, this isn't my guy. And I, I really more should hear what you guys have to say particularly you, Brian, and uh, putting stuff on my list uh, to watch very soon. I've already put Quintet on my list to watch. I'm looking forward to watching that. That's an outlier, just so you know. But it's a weird one. I, well, I looked. I looked it up, and 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 it's apparently yeah. about a, uh, a a futuristic board game where people Correct. start playing with their own lives. And I'm Correct. very yeah. into shit like that. So go ahead. Uh, my, my okay. So my four, uh, Brian, is Long Goodbye, 
Um, I think it's mm-hmm. I've watched it recently. Um, it's fucking great. Elliot Gould is just all, it's just a great movie. Um, mm-hmm. it, it should be said too, just very quickly, because it, it came up as we were talking about it a little earlier. You know, Paul Thomas Anderson is is so clearly inspired, I would say, by two filmmakers in particular, Jonathan Debbie and and Robert Altman. And I think oh, yes. both of those guys um so beautifully navigated different genres and were able mm-hmm. to do different things. And I remember when There Will Be Blood came out and everyone was just like, what the fuck is this? This is not what this guy does. And that to me was sort of, that was the quintessential moment where I was like, he is definitely following these guys in the Mm -hmm. sense of saying, I don't want to stay in a box. I don't want to be, uh, you know, you you, you could put Boogie Nights next to Magnolia and they could seem similar aesthetically. Mm -hmm. And I think he just sort of, so to to me, long goodbye feels like kind of a, a quintessential, like long goodbye and inherent vice could be put next to each other. Oh, That's the point I'm trying to make. 100%, oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. My number four is also the long goodbye. Um, the long goodbye. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's him taking the 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 uh, Philip Marlowe Raymond Chandler novel yep. and completely blowing it up, um, yep. and subverting every trope, uh, making making the. <laughs> Him, him. I mean, Lebowski is another is another uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, movie that's similar, where he's where he turns Marlowe into sort of a sort of a, a spaced out idiot, man out of time <laughs> kind of thing. Um, incredible use of L.A. Um, and then the music, the John Williams song "Long Goodbye," that is the only music you hear in the movie, just heard in different forms. True. It's a crazy a Schwarzenegger movie. cameo. Schwarzenegger. Oh. That oh, has wow. one, and that has one of the best like gangster, yes, gangster, um, scary moments in any movie. The thing is, the movie is a great juggling of tone because it's it's a comedy, but it's also very thrilling. Mm-hmm. And like when when Mark Rydell is the as as the as the Jewish gangster smashes the girl in the face and fucks up her face, and he's like, "See, I just did that to her. Her I love. You I don't even like. <laughs> like that is one of good the shit. best. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, it's a great movie." My number three shortcuts. Um, I mean, listen, I could talk about shortcuts forever, but I, I I do think that shortcuts, as I mentioned earlier, feels like the sort of quintessential Altman film. If you if you put a gun to my head and said like, what's the movie that defines him as a filmmaker that you feel sort of like checks all the Altman boxes, that would probably be it for me. Um, it, it's uh, sprawling again, beautiful Los Angeles movie, a movie that just really understands the city unbelievably well. Um, yeah, what's your three, Brian? Uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Um, it is it is one of the saddest movies ever made. It is just can't wait. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 a tough one. I mean, it is just it is basically if if how if if the player is like there is no God, there's you know Hollywood is 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 there's no hope for anyone. McCabe and Mrs. Miller is America is a failed experiment. experiment. Oh, yeah. You know, using the West and the Western as the best Westerns do as a metaphor for kind of where we are and certainly where we where we were in 71 and where we certainly are now. Um, you know, dreamers die uh, every I mean, it is it is just um, but it is one of the greatest movies ever made. It, it, now, it is a tough one. I implore you, if you haven't seen it, to get the Criterion disc of it yeah, to watch yeah. it. Because the sound design is the muddiest and weirdest of any of his movies. And it's very off-putting to a lot of people when they first watch it. So you've got to, you have to just get on its wavelength. Okay. But when okay. you do, Warren Beatty is incredible in it. And I've, there's no better 
sense of a of a small town of place than in this movie like sure. the geography of this little of this little ramshackle uh pacific northwest western town um and the leonard cohen song score that is just oh wow Gut wrenching. What I am I doing great. with my life? What are we doing with our lives? Never watch. Uh, my one. number two is Gosford Park. Um, I, I, wonderful. I, you wonderful. Know, I, a wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing it back in, uh, in two thousand and one, and just sort of, I, I don't know. I, it, it was such, a, it's such an unbelievably brilliant metatextual kind of unpacking of the murder mystery of the mm-hmm. upstairs, downstairs, um, all of it. I mean, obviously, uh, everything that Julian Fellows has done since is in some way or another, uh, a remix of Gosford Park. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it is, it's, it's a truly, truly spectacular movie with just a fucking cast of just every British person that's ever lived is in that movie, it seems. Um, so that's my number two. What's your two brian uh my number two is is nashville um uh, nashville is one of the great american films uh it is certainly it it and shortcuts are the ones that if you think like what's an altman movie like that's Mm -hmm. a big big ensemble um uh finite amount of time they both Mm -hmm. take place over you know two or three days sure um and nashville I also Nashville is another one that I would hold up when I say, what is the seventies? Like Nashville just captures the zeitgeist of the seventies and of the sort of American, that turning point uh, at the bicentennial one foot in the, in the, in the Mm -hmm. tradition and the other in, 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 in um, paranoia and violence. Um, And, and just talk of Kenny. I mean, what you were saying about Magnolia, I mean, Nashville, to a T like there are just scenes and sequences and moments for every one of these actors that are all on their own transcendent. And then you put them together and it's, it's, but it's frankly, it's a very overwhelming movie. It's one that I've only watched a couple times because it's, it's almost too much. And it's, and it's not to say it's, it's funny. I mean, it's a fun, funny movie, but there's just, it's so much. And, and, and it is such a, an example of, of uh, what you were speaking about earlier, uh, Phil about about his playing with sound and it sure. just it requires so much of you and and kind of gut punches you so many times that I've only seen it maybe two or three times but but yeah it's great. I mean I could speak to this because I've seen it and I yeah, love it yeah. it's yeah. I mean it's it's I was gonna say it's it's a full meal right more than oh, almost yeah. any movie I've ever seen right you do yeah. feel overstuffed after this film I also think if it, if it weren't for the music um it would be a lot harder to um to enjoy this film right there's so much here but so much of it feels like these musical respites from what's happening on screen yeah and it's country western music so the 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 juxtaposition is so interesting yeah Yeah. and i also like that the the previous generation are not your classic fuddy-duddies right they're not your classic like they're not your classic ruling class this is we're talking about nashville we're talking about you know people who saw a, a a a bit of a backwards old-fashioned idea of what america is but their america is still fun right their mm-hmm. version of america right. is still fun and hopeful and and exciting it's not you know we wish we were still you know living in our our boring cookie gutter houses in our boring suburbs and you know eating our boring tv dinners no it's mm-hmm. still vibrant the whole thing is vibrant and i i think it's a really kind of incredible film yeah i mean you know, so you not the first one to say that yeah you as a magnolia fan i mean henry gibson and nashville 
I mean, yeah, I have uh, I have no oh. excuse. I literally own the Blu-ray. It's on my shelf. Yeah. It's been given to me years ago. As but it's and like I, it's I'm like Magnolia like, in that it's a lot. <laughs> I, I I need to sit down and watch it. And I'll yeah. tell you this. I mean, this obviously this podcast is, you know, I've got McCabe and Mr. Miller. There's a lot of Altman that I love that I have not seen that I want to kind of uh, I want to dive into. But my number one is the player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I there, there was kind of no question it was going to be. It was my. Uh, entry into his films uh it was um kind of my entry as i mentioned earlier into sort of the inside baseball behind the curtain of what this industry might very well be um you know there's a line that has stayed with me you know over all the years um and now living here uh speaks so much more loudly um <laughs> there's a scene when they're all sitting at a at a table uh, griffin and a bunch of his friends and uh and he's like uh i'm paraphrasing but it's something along the lines of um, can't we talk about anything else within this industry? We're smart people. And then mm-hmm. there's silence and then they all just laugh. And you're just like, <laughs> oh yes. Oh my God. That's and you're incredible. just like, and they're yeah. at lunch. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it, it really is just, you know, it's funny because LA story comes out around this time too. Uh, right. A year before. Right. Yeah, around year before. before. Yes. Mm-hmm. And LA story is another movie that's also taking the piss out of LA, but it's doing it in such a like, oh, oh but it loves LA. Cute? Aren't we yeah, kind of loves funny? LA. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, yeah, 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 it's, it, yeah, it's from the point of yeah. view of a guy who's really fucking kicked LA's ass over and over again yeah. and become like, you know, I just, I, I, maybe that's why Bowfinger doesn't really work for me either because I, there's yeah, just something about Steve Martin's view of LA, which is like, dude, you're the biggest winner in like LA history. You're totally like, you're totally, you know, but, but I think the movie LA story acknowledges that. I mean, LA story acknowledges that it's absurd that this, you sure. know, that, 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 I mean, he, he has, he has Shakespeare buried in LA, you know, <laughs> no, a, I, I mean, remember he, has, I, no, he has, no, I, I, I like, I like LA Shakespeare's story. grave, yes. I, 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 Hollywood yes. Forever Cemetery. <laughs> yes, no, no, he's LA story is funny. A, LA story is a little he's different. He's aware but, of that, but, yeah. but yeah, but he, um, it's, it's such a, it's such a open, I think so anything Steve Martin does with LA and I love Steve Martin in part, I, I think he's a great counterbalance to all the people who hate LA, but everything he does to LA kind of feels like an open mouth tongue kiss to the city. Oh, sure. No, for oh, sure. Yeah. I, I, I'll say this too. You know, the Bowfinger thing um, feels a little, I don't want to say meaner, but there is some mean stuff in Bowfinger. Like yeah. the, the, the Heather Graham character is, is, is a little bit more kind of, you know. I don't, I mean, like, you know, we yes. talked about this on the podcast. Talk, yeah, I, yeah. I don't <laughs> think it, it, the movie doesn't seem aware that it is really fucking nasty to that right. character. No, well, for sure, for sure. Oh, we, we, very we, well, yeah, yeah. I know that you, Brian, aware of have a, you have a bit of a hard out, so we want to burn through your, uh, if I'm not mistaken, did you not say that you need to be done? In a no, I'm bit? fine. I'm good at like okay. 12, 20 or something. But okay, I do you, 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 you have a, oh yeah, his with your number one, yeah. Like yes, your number, number one. one. I'm so sorry. Then I meant, I want to hear your top 10. It's not the player? No. Good for you. Oh no, the player, the player was, um, the player was tied for my number five with Gasper Park and Mash and California Split right. and about three others. Uh, no, no, my number one is Shortcuts Lo- with a bullet. Oh um, wow, cool. Oh, with a bullet. Uh, and now I will say, had we recorded this uh, two months ago, mm-hmm. I would have probably said Nashville was my number one with a bullet. Then I went and I, I got to see Shortcuts at the Cinematheque at the Arrow in a seventy I millimeter. That. I was so pissed. I wanted to see that so badly. 
And I wouldn't have seen Shortcuts in a theater when it was released. It was 93. I, I didn't either. Yeah. Home video. And I did. I mean, I watched it pretty soon after it was on home video and always enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, saw it in this. And I mean, talk about sound design with the 70 millimeter sound. And you might remember that opening se- the opening, the very long opening credit sequence that, again, totally em- emulated in fast motion by Anderson and Magnolia. But in Shortcuts, it's this sort of languid yeah. uh, sequence where you meet all the characters juxtaposed with these um, helicopters that are spraying for medfly pesticides, yeah, pesticides yeah, yeah. all over yeah. all over Los Angeles. And that sound design and that music, that jazz score and the Annie Ross songs that, sh- that come in. Yeah. That movie just, it, it completely destroyed me seeing it in the theater. Like, like destroyed me. It is such an emotional roller coaster, such a gut punch. Some stuff happens at the end that just, yeah. just ast- astonishes you with its uh, brutality. But then it's also hilarious. It's so funny. And it's yeah. one where, and, and you, and this is a, such a good reminder. I've talked about this a little bit with our mutual friend uh, Clay Keller about with screen drafts is like movies really, they all should be seen on the big screen. I think we've all gotten used to, okay, well I'll go see that Marvel movie because I really need to see that on a big screen, but this drama, I can wait until we get to video. And so watching this, which is a drama about people living in Los Angeles and all the scenes are in houses and yards and stuff, but it's cinema. It should be seen on the biggest screen possible. And when you've got a filmmaker like Altman who was making movies this is as movie a movie as I've ever seen. I walked out of it like I'd seen Lawrence of Arabia. I mean, it was it was know, just every movie amazing. should be seen on a big screen. Yeah, we should I, we, we should all throw our TVs away. I I couldn't yeah. agree with you guys more. I also think it's worth noting too. You know, Raymond Carver, who writes the short stories that Shortcuts mm. is is loosely based on, um, is a was a one of the greatest short story writers has ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about uh, Altman understanding hu- the, the the grounded human moments the small moments and the and the sheer enormity of them and the theatrical yes. experience of seeing these lives writ large on this big screen written from a film, a, a writer who understood the enormity of the mundane mm-hmm. uh, it is just is is truly truly spectacular i'm so bummed i didn't get to see it um it was really yeah. something. It's like top five theatrical experiences I've ever had. It really was. Yeah. It was I hope that. So I that's why that it, 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 it's kind of a cheat that it, that's what got it to number one was that experience. You know, I suppose if I saw Nashville in a similar context, they'd be neck yeah. and neck. But um, so, yeah, there we go. Uh, let's let's, great uh, movies, let's hear your, your top 10 99. Here's my top Love 10. I'll it. do it real I'll start, do it real fast. No, 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 no. Don't do it fast. We have to judge you. Go. We went like. <laughs> Well, I've got to Let's, find. Hold on. So okay. I'll start from the bottom. So top ten. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. Top ten. Uh. Number ten. Eyes wide shut. Masterpiece. Good choice. Uh, then, Good you know. Choice. You. I know. You. I know. You all love it. Uh. We the feel good movie of the holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> um. Probably only number ten. Probably lower than one might think, just because it's not one that I <laughs> rewatch a lot. All that much. Yeah. So I, I think guess. it's more rewatchable. Uh. Than you. Than you might think. But. <laughs> I think it's sure. Weirdly, I mean, it's I've, weirdly I've like, rewatchable. I've seen actually, it, I think maybe yeah. three or four times. I've yeah, seen that sure. maybe three or four times, and most of the other ones of these I've seen in, in the double digits. So that okay. I think that fair enough, fair enough. But great movie. Um, number nine, The Matrix, for all the reasons. What a sure, film! One, Matrix. one, one yeah. would assume. I I can't I can't convey, and I'm sure you've spoken about this. 
what it felt like to go in to see that movie in the theater because no one was talking about it. It had no hype. We probably only went and saw it because it was like, oh, well, this is playing in an hour. We've got a couple hours before our next class. Mm -hmm. Should we run over and see this thing that Keanu Reeves is in? And then you walk out and you're like, uh, the world is different now. Have I just been forever changed? Yeah. Yeah, Like, so I saw it with my parents and I don't know how that fucking happened. (laughs) Oh, weird. Yeah. We did. We we saw it. Yeah. I saw some classmates across the street. I, th- I know, think we saw it on vacation. Oh man, it, it was <laughs> all right. It's, it, it, it was it's, like yeah, in okay. February, wasn't it? Wasn't it released? March, in like, late it March. was March, <laughs> and I think we. I mean, I, I have a fairly distinct memory of seeing it in a theater that I never saw another movie in, and uh, and we all liked it. Even my parents liked it. All right, amazing. Those That's movies, amazing. Those movies, those kind of movies back then never came out in March. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, great, great movie. Um, uh, eight being John Malkovich. Again, talking about just, just, just well, you, the bangers at the bottom of this list. Yeah, Can't wait very well, I know this. It's going to get weird. Yeah, uh, I love being John Malkovich. Got nothing, sure. nothing to say about it except for the other six, seven. I like more. Uh, number seven. Uh, this shouldn't surprise you. Uh, Julie Taymor's Titus. Oh, I know uh, what number one is. All right, I so we'll just, think, just we'll just, just go to number the, two. You don't even have to say number one. All right, so oh, what's gonna, yeah. Yeah. one of the greatest? Uh, I just realized what's going to be on this too. Yes, we oh, love Titus. We we love Titus. Titus is incredible. Yeah, one of the greatest Shakespearean adaptations of all time. And and uh, yeah, uh, six, no, that's uh, another uh, Rochelle Lefebvre episode that we had her on for. That was a that was a hell. Of I episode. should listen to. I don't think I've listened to your Titus episode. It's I a should. great. Yeah, episode. I mean, made made Anthony Hopkins want to quit acting because of what she put him through. And but he sounds right. Sounds right. The best performance. Worth it. Worth it. Worth, yeah. worth it. Great movie. Uh, criminally hard to find now. It's appalling yes, that it's hard that's to find. True. It was on um, Criterion Channel for a bit. It was we didn't watch there. it on Criterion. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I have uh, a I have an out of print Twilight Time Blu-ray that I paid an absurd amount of money for. Amazing. Um, but but that's all that it's hard to find. Uh number six, we just talked about it. Magnolia. Yep. No notes. Love it. <laughs> no um, notes. Uh number five number five, Toy Story Two. I mean nice. again, what do you say? Uh I, I it, it always fights for supremacy between two and three for which is my favorite depending on the mood but if it probably is two i just think two is is a is perfect you know yeah. and yeah. and it was really i remember not close time, for me it's three but what are you gonna do <laughs> what okay, are you gonna well, do i i just remember again if i'm thinking about 99 to toy story 2 really kind of made you sit up and go oh they're doing this with the sequel yeah the sequel true. is when you're just supposed to do a bunch of bullshit they they have have yeah, they deepened this Wait, is this thing about something else? Like, really, like, that movie knocked my socks off. Number four, one of the great entertainments of all time. A absolutely perfect swish wash of Hollywood entertainment. Galaxy Quest. I knew you were going to yes. say that. Yeah, I could hear Absolute, it from what you were saying. Yeah. There is. And, and that's one that shot up in my list the last time I watched it. Mm-hmm. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just perfect. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's absolutely when you realize about about two thirds of the way through that you're actually watching a Star Trek movie that they've brought you into a Star Trek movie where you deeply care about whether or not this alien race survives. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, number three, the greatest black comedy of all time, arguably election. Alexander Payne's election. I really want to read that sequel. I haven't read it yet. I'm excited. Uh, you should read it. You will love it. it is I'm excited. Great. Um, I mean, it's perfect. Again, like... I love it when I, I love I love big stakes in small places. Yeah, me too. And and the idea that a school election is as important to the people involved as a world war is to the you know the world leaders and generals. Just election the best. 
just the best. It's, number two, it's, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Number number two, um, a movie worthy of Hitchcock, the talented Mr. Ripley, just. And that was a great list, Brian. A, a number movie, one, talented Mr. Ripley. No, pretty that's incredible. Two. That's that number was- two. Um, <laughs> uh, Can I just say one thing though about what I do? Uh, what I think is interesting. Yeah. We've had a we've had a handful of people come on in these last episodes as we've been sort of running up to the end, doing their top ten lists. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned this a little bit earlier, Kenny, but like Ripley has shown up quite high on a lot of people's lists so is galaxy quest so is galaxy like ripley has been on i think every list pretty much and then galaxy quest has been on a bunch too so those it's interesting i i I mean ripley i have ones those are both ones that underperformed at the time and kind of flew under the radar but they just they definitely they hold up and they get richer and richer the more you watch them I mean, oh, so, so also, movie. also Eyes Wide Shut. So I think yes. to me, those are the three mm-hmm. movies that over the course of this podcast, Galaxy Quest, maybe not as much, but uh, the other two for sure. I have felt like a very strong yeah. tide behind those two movies. Galaxy Quest, I felt it a little bit before and maybe not as strong now, mm-hmm. but people definitely love those three yeah, Ripley, films. I think, I think Ripley is just one that, because again, you look at it, you look at it as much as any movie and you look and you, you, you mourn what we have lost. Like it's just the the, the artistry of that movie and the, and the budget and the scale and the attention to detail and just the romance, the romance of it, even though it's also this, this chilling thriller. Um, It's a great choice. It's a movie. It really is. It really is a great number one though. Number one. (laughs) What's number one, the greatest movie about the theater the greatest performance of 1999. I can't believe you're um, putting Cradle Rock from, in number one, Brian. <laughs> Jim Broad- we don't even like Jim, like, Jim, Jim Broadbent <laughs> as W.S. Gilbert, the greatest performance of 1999. Um, a movie I just saw at the American Cinema Tech in a, in a, in a lovely, uh, yeah. uh, I don't think it was a print, I think it was DCP, but it looked great in the big screen. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the Mike Lee's Topsy Turvy, the greatest movie about the theater. About actors, about production of a show, uh, so, about about what we do as artists. The greatest movie ever about that. That's cool. So, hey, that's cool. The we best like, movie you know, in we, we, we like what we My like. My fourth well, favorite movie of all time, Topsy Turvy. So I know you're number one because you've mentioned it many times. It's Robin Hood. And I, uh, oh, the adventures, yes, the yes. adventures of Robin. I believe you've mentioned number two somewhere, too. Godfather part two. And what's number three? number two? Midnight Run. Number four oh, is interesting. this is a fascinating list. I Top contain multitudes. Curvy. You Kenny. do contain multitudes. I'll, here's my question to you, Brian. No yeah. problem so, with your one through three. I mean, uh, you know, Topsy Turvy is a masterpiece, so, an unassailable I, masterpiece. I, I'll just say this because I, I you know listen anyone who's listened to our topsy turvy episode knows that kenny's not a fan um yes. and 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 it's topsy it's turvy it's topsy it's turvy it's or any of you who've only gotten about halfway through it <laughs> I, I do think though it is it the is episode i mean not the movie no i understand <laughs> i i you know watching it again yes. when we did our episode i i did find myself um I, I'd only watched it the one time in the theater. Uh, and I remember liking it in the theater, but also feeling a little bit like, I'm not sure I totally get this. And I do think that so much of it is um, baked into the theatrical experience. The, 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 the experience of working in the theater, to, of, of being a theater actor, uh, or you know, any theater crew as well. Um, sure, maybe, maybe, yeah. And I think that, that, that 
it is a love letter to that. And I, in so many ways, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. I don't know sure. shit about Gilbert and Sullivan. I continue not to know shit about Gilbert and Sullivan outside of what Aaron oh. Sorkin has taught me. Um, yeah. And I, and I, and I, I think that um, if I look at the film through that lens, less so about the actual subject matter itself, because I do think that there, I agree with Kenny. There's some problematic stuff in the Mikado and in some of the stuff that's going on culturally, um, even if it's a product of its time. Um, I think the film is a, a, I, what I loved about it most was existing with this crew of people and this love of making this thing of, of yeah. making this theatrical. That, that to me is a, that's an exciting thing. Yes. Good. But it's not for everybody. And and listen, I I will also say this too. Um, I don't think it should be for. I, you asked my top my top ten. No, no, no. Of course, <laughs> not. I know, no. And I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm more than anything. I just want to say that you know one of the things that I loved about our episode on Topsy Turvy was that it was an opportunity to be able to sort of talk about Mike Lee as a filmmaker. And I do think that Mike Lee is a fascinating filmmaker oh, who's sure. made all sorts of really interesting films and topsy turvy for all intents and purposes. It's kind of an outlier in terms of like looking at his, at his filmography. He doesn't. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's, no, usually, it's, and it's yeah, definitely. So I, you know, most of his films are, are about, you know, small lives, blue collar people living their lives. And, and, uh, and, and I, I obviously love the way he makes films. I think it's really interesting, but um I think it's interesting that it's that it's that high, not just on your list of ninety nine, but that it's that high uh, on your list of films of all time. Brian, part of why we love you so much is because you're one hundred percent yourself. Yeah, you don't, and you, and you, and 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 no, nobody will talk you off of your positions. Um, But I gotta say, Brian, as we're as we're winding down the podcast, and you've been a you've been at least a five timer, probably more. Yeah. And you become, you'd be, I don't know if I have actually, but, but keep well, you've, going. Been on the, you've been on the Patreon twice. Been on the Patreon a few times. That's true. That's yes. true. And we're going to do another one. So we are so, soon. Yes. yes. You'll, yeah. You'll be a, a multi-time, a multi-time uh, podcast guy. Uh, one of the best parts about this podcast has been the new friends we've made. And Brian, Absolutely. we consider you one of oh. our, one of our, one of our best friends on this podcast that we've made. It's been an incredible experience. And Thank to be you, honest, you I, feel started- the, I feel the same way. Thank you. And you and and you you came on early enough early. in this run yeah. where we were mostly just booking, booking, uh, booking um, people <laughs> we knew. We yeah. didn't know you before this. You took a chance on us. So we really we really appreciate Toby, you. Our friend Toby introduced us. That's right. Our friend Toby introduced yes. us. Toby and you came up, you came on and you gave it your all. And you've always been really, really, really brilliant and opinionated. And you're, you know. You're, you you didn't you never had to do this for us, and we love that you oh. come on. We love that you come on and become a, an important part of this podcast fabric. And uh, I look forward to uh, drafting against you one day. Well, we got to do screen drafts, yeah. When, when Clay allows it, how have we not I, done a screen drafts? Because do Clay only just... lets me. Clay only lets me draft against Phil now. He he knows that no one can handle it except <laughs> Phil. So well, I should. I, we, I don't we think should that's try true. to. Con, we should try to concoct one where I'm about where I'm where we're 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 up against the, like it was the three of us together doing. Something. Oh, I would. I mean, oh, listen, like a like a mini on, mega I of some it. kind. Oh, we gotta, we I, gotta I, oh, God. Plus, I, Phil, we need to. Phil, when are we doing? Is it now? Is it is it now appropriate to announce our our ER episode recap podcast? Right, we're doing that, right? Can you imagine? Isn't that, isn't Can that you imagine? You brought me oh my movie? god! Oh my god! A million god. episodes, oh my and god. I would just we just cry the whole time. But we I do think cry. that we just cry because. It, so I just want to run through very quickly. You you were on ER 
You came yes. on uh, in, in 2019 for, for an ER episode where Kenny uh, watched us cry together as we talked about That's the various right. things that happened on ER. Uh, you came mm-hmm. up from Cradle Rock, um, mm-hmm. which, which a fascinatingly weird, interesting yeah. movie. Not a bad a movie. Episode. I've changed my mind. Not a bad movie. Not a bad movie. Uh, you came on, talked with me about uh, Five Votes Down uh, on West Wing. Yes. Um, you came on again to talk about ER with me again. Uh, mm-hmm. We've talked about Great Expectations. Obviously, mm-hmm. you come on for Cookie's Fortune. You were on for Last Crusade. And you were coming on the 2009 right. Patreon for Where the Wild Things Are. So people can have that to look forward to. That'll be yes, dropping. I'm very in, excited to talk to you That'll be dropping in that. December. I'm very, I'm, I'm really, I don't know about you, Kenny. I'm really excited to rewatch that film. Can't wait. Um, I me too. I haven't seen it in years. Yeah. years. It's a really interesting yeah. movie. Um, and talk Spike Jones again. We talked, obviously, being John Malkovich um, with fellow screen drafters, Adam Bivari and Mark Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that that uh, that has dropped already at this point. But listen, uh, Kenny said it best. And I'll, I'll just reiterate for him. You took a chance on us. You sat down mm-hmm. in a room when we were recording live and uh, and talked about ER with us and and. And then you we could get me to leave. I was like, guys, it's yeah. couldn't get you out. This guy's was crazy. A great, we have to get him it, out of here. You know, we've I, been talking about this as we as we wrap this up, but truly, like, we consider our guests friends now, and it's oh, just yeah. such a joy I to have you um, yeah. in our lives and to come on and talk about these things with us. Um, and I'm so glad that we were able to, to get another 99 under our belt with you. So, oh, thank you, a, thank you both. I, uh, that's so kind for, of you, and and yeah, no, truly, it's been such a pleasure to get to know you both and. And and uh, I I love talking movies with you. So this is this has been a treat, a, a complete treat. And I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for the ER recap podcast. I, I think it should be very easy to do. Listen, man, Me too. I got the bandwidth. You're the one that has. You know, you're 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 you know, trying to write things and raise children. So you know that's that's yeah, you know. no man, don't don't. I'm only half joking. Okay, but yeah, thanks, guys. No, this is this has been so this much fun, and uh, I'm excited to to. To uh, all things are next. Yeah, all things are. Yeah, great. Yep. Thank you so so much, Brian. It's been a blast. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, Bill. You watched any human traffic yet? No. The things we do for this podcast. (laughs) It's a a real oh oh, human trafficking. Is that human traffic? Oh no no! I wish it was about human trafficking. We're doing uh, just for for your uh, your edification, Brian. Uh, Kenny came up with a great idea where we were bringing on four of our sort of biggest fans on Twitter to do mini episodes. So uh, we're we're doing human traffic with one of our fans at 9 a.m. tomorrow. So I got to watch that today. Our Our best best fan. Heard of that movie? What is that movie? It's like a British comedy. It's like, you know what, dude? It's a it's spiritually. It's a lot like go. Um, but oh, okay. it's a little crime not, comedy. There's yeah, there's not really the crime element, but it's like the rave culture thing, but a British version of it. It's not okay. terror, oh, okay. and it, and it's very flights of fancy, and it's very, you know, these um, you know, these almost Family Guy ass cutaways. Uh, sure. Okay, it's, yeah. it's it's no good. But it, <laughs> but this guy is the guy who this guy's who built our wiki, which is yeah, insane that a dude insane. built a wiki for us. I don't even so, know you had a wiki. I have to look that up. The it wiki is, um, is oh, you have so a page. Detailed. I literally yeah. was, that's how I knew which episodes you came on for the duration, yeah. their air date. You've I mean, seen no, the, the, the you, screen screen drafts has yeah. one too. They're they're they're, yeah. they're it's amazing. 
You've seen the section oh, where the guy nice. he did. Uh, he you've seen the section where he does movies mentioned. He he writes every movies movie mention. mention. It's insane. It, it's like oh, that's yeah. That's God bless crazy. him. A truly wow. a, a hero. So the least we could do is have him on. I want to movies fucking mentioned. pay him. <laughs> it's it's I mean, an incredible thing. And quotes. Uh, you probably have quotes. He pulls yeah. quotes. He pulls Fuck quotes me. from every oh, episode. So, yeah. yeah, it's a pretty Stupid incredible thing. I said. I, I um, it's anyway. it's an amazing thing. Uh, yeah. So we the four movies that we're covering with our fans are Wing Commander, Human Traffic, <laughs> uh, Adventures of Sebastian Cole, and Into Deep. So just real real bangers. Oh my god, we're trying yeah, to keep them at half an hour. We we hey, fell listen, twice. You, you, you said you'd you said you'd watch them all. You're gonna watch them all. God damn it! Right, we sure did. All right. Anyway, well, thanks guys. Um, I do have to we'll run, but go, um, that was so much fun. Later, Brian. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.